From HerbMentor.com, this is HerbMentor Radio. You are listening to HerbMentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. I'm John Gallagher. My guest today is Dr. Leslie Alexander. Leslie is a medical herbalist and former research scientist. She is co-author of the book, Dental Herbalism, Natural Therapies for the Mouth. Leslie is a professional member of the American Herbalist Guild and co-owner of Restoration Herbs in Pennsylvania. You can visit Leslie and check out her book at dentalherbalism.com. Leslie, welcome to Herb Mentor Radio. Hey, John. Thank you very, very much for inviting me to have a chat with you today. That's an honor. So you have a PhD in biological sciences. So how do you go from being a scientific researcher to an herbalist? Like, Tell us about that journey. It's a very, um, it was an interesting journey. Uh, I began working with intertidal seaweeds, particularly Entromorpha intestinalis, and looking at the effect of heavy metals and environmental factors affecting the seaweed. Um, And from there, I went to my first postdoc position, which was actually a molecular lab uh, in Coventry in England, My PhD was undertaken at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, So I spent a little while in Coventry, and from there I became interested in environmental epidemiology, the effect of the environment on our health. And from there I quickly realized that the work I enjoyed doing most was of a very practical nature. And having always been a gardener and growing and being interested in herbs, when I came back to the States in the mid to late 90s, I began to really look more and more into the medicinal actions of herbs and not just be thrilled by their culinary uh, wealth and Mm -hmm. So from there, it was a pretty straightforward journey. Uh, I went back to Edinburgh in Scotland. I was continuing to work as an academic. And I decided to make a break and to focus my training on becoming a a professional member of the Guild and a full-time practitioner. And then from there, I made a journey to focus on the mouth. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really fascinating because, you know, you just never know people when they learn about herbs or what inspires them. Sometimes it's like that, you know, grandmother they had when they were little that, that, that took them outside all the time. Did, did you have anything like that, like growing up as a girl, like you spent a lot of time outside or, a you know, a relative or anything? Is it just a purely just your scientific interest brought you into this? No, it was really um, folk herbalism that got me mm-hmm. interested in herbs. I grew up in a Jewish family, and um, you know, people joke about like when you're sick, oh, you got to have some chicken soup. Mm-hmm. And so I started to wonder, well, what else is in the soup besides chicken? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was that sparked some ideas. And indeed, um, I do continue to look at traditional ethnic uses of herbs, uh, particularly in Judaism. Um, Hmm. So from there, I also started to become interested in in knowledge that has been passed around as hearsay and began to marvel when I saw herbs in action um, and how they have 
been incorporated in our culinary use, like sage, mm-hmm. for example. Not mm-hmm. only is it great for the mouth, but also it helps us digest fat. So isn't it kind of funky how it is often incorporated when we serve fatty meats or uh, like turkey or duck uh, or when we make sausage Um or, for example, when uh, cinnamon, also another fabulous herb for the mouth, uh, cinnamon helps us regulate blood sugar. And here in America, why we often incorporate cinnamon in apple pies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, is this, is this real? <laughs> how did they know? Uh, so that's kind of how my journey began. Fantastic. You know, I, I just, I have to just say for now, we're going to get into the book and I'll, you know, get into dental herbalism that I, it's just a fantastic book. I mean, it just, um, you know, it speaks to everybody. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's clear. And I, it's just like anyone who's even just like, Hey, I'm just interested in natural remedies and herbs. And it's really just accessible to, to anyone in this. And it's just, I, I just love the the whole package that you put together here in this journey. So that's why I was, hope, was hoping to share a bit with people today. Um, Um, I'm so pleased that you like the package because Linda and I worked extremely, extremely mm -hmm. hard and had some concerns and decided to go with my instinct. Mm -hmm. But um, we really wrote for three audiences and, uh, and I'm pleased to hear that you enjoyed what we put together. Because I always, I'm always reading in through the eyes. Like I like, I like to keep myself at the level of family herbalist, you know. Like uh, I don't, I don't geek out too, too much into the world of all this stuff. So when I'm reading and I'm reading it through those eyes, and um, and and that's why I just loved it. So in the, and 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 so to start off, you know, um, you say very early in the book that uh, it all begins with the mouth. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could just begin there and tell us what you mean by that. Well, a lot of things from an emotional point of view, you know, watching someone smile, um, watching them express themselves, being attracted to people um, by their facial characteristics. Of course, when we get to um, the systems of the body, let's not forget digestion begins in the mouth. And for many years, um, certainly since the late 1800s, we've been tossing about the idea that the health of our body in general is linked to the health of our mouths, Hmm. which for me was a wholly new idea. You know, I grew up in the era where you went to the dentist and you got a lollipop, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's changed, and there's more to the mouth than just teeth. Because hmm. uh, yes, um, people, yeah, people think that, uh, yeah, your mouth is your teeth and tongue, um, or maybe some other parts they might know, maybe the palate. And um, so you go into, like, you know, how there's a whole ecology. There is a whole ecology. A healthy mouth has a balance of bacteria and viruses and fungi and a whole suite of microorganisms. There's a great researcher in in Boston, Dr. Sikransky, and he says there are more bugs in the mouth than there are people on the planet. Wow. Um, So that's a lot. So I I suppose we can be really pleased that they're small and invisible. Uh, uh, and, And a healthy mouth sustains this healthy, what we now call biofilm. 
this balance of microorganisms. And when things happen, when we miss, when we begin to lose teeth, when um, we don't attend to the cleanliness of our mouths, when we kiss people who have unclean mouths, um, when we live in environments that have an adverse effect on our health, all of those things help to shift the balance of bugs in the mouth. And of course, let's not forget food or herbs. Um, they too have an effect. And so it requires constant attention. And um, it's, it's just marvelous to begin to explore this as an herbalist uh, with people who are wanting to really take control of their health and have more, be more empowered. And I hope dental herbalism goes some way towards that. Mm. So then um, what, what behaviors do we do besides like eating sugar and the junk food that we eat that contribute to poor oral health? Because we often think it's just sugar or it's processed food. And, and we think that if we're brushing our teeth at night, then we're taking care of everything. You know, like I just am wondering like, you know, it's that I get I guess I'm gonna say like see we seem to have separated so it's like, oh, there's a dentist, there's dentists, and they just take care of our mouth and we brush our teeth and that's that. It's like we don't really think there's a connection between that and the rest of our bodies. Because... I totally agree with you. I mean, and I was for I was one of those folk who for a very long time abdicated the health of my mouth to other healthcare professionals. And I didn't know which teeth were filled. I didn't know which had been removed. Um, I I knew very little about my mouth. And as you just said, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go to the dentist and I'll see a hygienist and they'll floss my teeth once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and the rest of it is just rush and brush. And um, no, that's not the case. So behaviors that contribute well, thumb sucking is one that we can um, see amongst young people. Sometimes that carries on into older children and indeed adults. Biting nails is sometimes the adult expression of that, um, all of which is applying pressure and introducing organisms to the mouth. Uh, some of us as adults will think of chewing on a pen cap or a pen or a toothpick. So there are those chewing habits which have an adverse effect on the, on the mouth. Um, when it comes to food, well, well, before we get to food, let's talk about brushing. Mm -hmm. um, two to three minutes, two to three times a day. And wow. the first time I put on a clock, with a stopwatch, I was like, wow, three minutes, that's a long time to brush my teeth. Um, so paying attention to how we clean our mouths, not just brushing, but rinsing, and rinsing even with water is advantageous when we eat a lot of processed carbs that can hang out in the mouth and um, are actually food for all of the organisms in the mouth. Um, so our our daily hygiene regimes really figure greatly in our oral health and sustaining our oral health. Um, who we kiss, as I said earlier, 
um, the health of our mouths is very closely related to who mm -hmm. we kiss and what we eat. Um, and sugar, as you said, we've come back to sugar again and again in uh, the conversations surrounding uh, the health of the mouth. In particular, it is sugar that lingers in the mouth. So what happens mm. when we eat certain foods is the pH in the mouth changes. Uh, water, for example, even can affect a pH change in the mouth. And when the pH drops below 5.5, uh, which is somewhat acidic, then we begin to uh, experience conditions which contribute to erosion of our enamel, uh, which is a precursor towards care to caries um, or cavities. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so leaving foods linger in the mouth is a contributing factor to um, a type of a type of environment we would like to avoid. So when we eat a snack or we eat a meal or we sit with friends and and drink beer or wine or other alcoholic beverages, it's all of which contain sugar, it's important to rinse the mouth. Mm -hmm. I get, I get, it's like, so that's what we, you know, we're told as sugar is a, is a main thing and we grow up that way and think it's, this, you know, we think that just, it's just sugar in our mouth causing problems. And um, I'm just wondering, is there a certain paradigm in which a person should think of their oral health rather than, just the bad stuff that might be lingering on their teeth. In other words, like, you know, the focus on the health and like, cause I, I just like, you know, the microorganisms and they should, should the focus be on the, you know, the, the, the keeping a healthy biofilm, as you say, versus, versus just getting rid of the sugar. You see what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do I start? Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. So I suppose there could be three um, pieces of advice, if you like, that mm -hmm. someone could follow if they were interested in improving and sustaining a healthy mouth. So one is to strive for balance and to avoid excess. Um, we, you know, sugar is, not all sugar is avoided and we shouldn't berate ourselves when we have an ice cream or somebody cooks us a lovely homemade dessert. But ice cream after every meal and desserts after every meal, that's kind of imbalanced. So we should strive for balance and we should avoid excess. And eating a variety of foods is very, very important. Um, and so we can look towards, in particular, fruits and vegetables. And there's that old saying, eat a rainbow, uh, eat a colorful palette. And particularly, we're looking for raw foods that are crunchy. And in their crunchiness, they help massage the gums and enhance blood supply to the gums. So raw, crunchy foods are important. Um, in addition, hard cheeses help clean the palate, and that is very, very important. Being well hydrated and ensuring that we have adequate amounts of vitamin C 
in our diet is very important indeed. And reading food labels, I mean, that is integral to our health overall. And of course, the mouth is important there too. Mm. So we're, 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 we have to remember that the mouth is part of the whole body. And when we're eating a great diet and eating these things, we have to take that into consideration. <laughs> Not leave it all to the hygienist to take care of for us. Um, exactly. You know, and another thing that, that uh, a big word when people are talking about the health of the rest of the body, that's really big now that we need to look out for. I mean, the, the concepts of uh, inflammation and stress. So what role does inflammation play in people's oral issues? Hmm. Well, to the best of my knowledge, John, the body, in our bodies, we don't differentiate in our reactions to an emotional stress or a physical stress mm -hmm. or a spiritual stress. Mm -hmm. So when we're stressed, the body responds. And sometimes we can measure stress in terms of looking for particular markers like C-reactive protein or CRP as it's sometimes called on a laboratory um, analysis. Uh, and we also know other types of stress markers. For example, some of us may grit our teeth. Some of us may grind our teeth. Mm -hmm. um, and that certainly is an indication of stress for some of us. Um, and of course, that then creates uh, undue and unwanted pressures in the mouth. Uh, we can experience stress in terms of inflammatory responses of tissues. So in the mouth, we might see uh, swelling, we might see softness, we might see even bleeding. And let's, let's remember, and I think it's important to remember, that the mouth is not a homogeneous environment. So in other words, one tooth could be perfectly healthy and the next tooth can have a cavity. We're all familiar with that. But when we look at the tissues of our mouth, so mm -hmm. uh, the same concept applies and can be extended. So one area in our gums could indeed be very healthy and another might show signs of inflammation. They might be red, it might bleed when we brush or we floss. Um, might be tender to the touch or sensitive to hot and cold. All of those should be flags for us. Um, for some time, I experienced uh, bleeding in my mouth when I would brush my teeth, not always, but occasionally. And I would simply rinse my mouth and think, oh, you know, oh, a bit of blood. And that was the end of it. So we're lucky that we can draw on a number of herbs and particularly if we're making home home remedies mm -hmm. for the mouth, rinses and washes and pastes and um, powders, we can adjust these as the health of our mouth changes. So when um, a 13 or 14-year-old person gets fitted with braces, for example, or an adult gets fitted with braces, for example, we can prepare a homemade mouthwash that would specifically address inflammation arising from all that poking and prodding and that occasional bleeding um, and ensure that uh, infection didn't blossom and to help heal 
you know, we have access to a lot of vulnerable herbs that help heal open wounds. We have astringents to help tighten gums, and we have herbs with various antimicrobial activities. So we can blend herbs to not only address those actions as and when needed, but also to to produce some pretty tasty results. Well, that just goes beautifully into the next section that I wanted to talk about. And so um, when with herbs and, and blending with tooth, let's maybe in the world, because we use toothpaste or some use tooth powders, um, can we kind of uh, put a maybe an all-purpose, you know, kind of when people learn about salves and it's like, oh, you start with a nice all-purpose salve, you put a little comfrey and plantain and some calendula in there and you learn about these herbs and that's a nice classic blend for a salve uh, for basic first aid. So if we're making uh, a tooth powder um, that people could easily make at home, could we explore what would go in that and then also the benefits of each of those ingredients? Sure. Um, well, we can start with, uh, uh, to clean the mouth, we can start with just water, for example. Hmm. Um, let's say we go away for the weekend and I forget my toothbrush and my toothpaste and all those things that I need to, that I think I need to to clean my mouth, well, I can actually begin to take care of my mouth while I'm away simply by um, taking some warm water and using the tip of my index finger and perhaps massaging each tooth, each surface that I can reach. So it is definitely a possibility to work in the mouth without any herbs at all. We can then look to salt, for example. So again, I've gone away, I'm camping, and oh, you know, blimey, I forgot my toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Well, salt is absolutely marvelous when we work in the mouth, and it is um, particularly useful to when it comes to astringing the gums. It helps us move, remove debris. Uh, and it can be used with water uh, or on its own as a scrub. I mean, we use salt scrubs all the time all right. to address um, uh, the skin. So tooth powders, one of the important things if we're going to approach a powder is indeed it should be a powder um, and not um, – herbs that we have ground and not ground finely. So powders are finely ground herbs and many herbalists don't purchase powdered herbs or many herbalists who grow their own herbs can't adequately powder herbs. True. So, yeah. so, you know, we need to be careful because when we're putting like chunks of willow bark in our mouth, we could <laughs> really make a mess. Um, so let's think about a a powder. Powders are um, generally a blend of herbs and they're contained in a tin. That's the best way to contain them. So when we brush our teeth, we would be dipping a wet toothbrush into this um, tin of powder, shaking off the excess. So it's a good idea if you're going to make powdered herbs, uh, powdered herbs for use in the mouth. Um, 
to be careful who you share that tin with because they're going to be dipping their toothbrush in there also. So tooth powders, let's think about ingredients for tooth powders. Uh, in terms of breath freshness, we might look to the mints, uh, spearmint, peppermint, catnip, monarda. Uh, all of those would be uh, useful additions to a powder to help enhance breath, the, the smell of our breath, and the taste in our mouths. Uh, for young children in particular, however, uh, their taste buds are indeed so sensitive that they may well wish to, we may well wish to stay away from mints and to look more towards, for example, stevia or um, uh, uh, wild cherry bark. I've used a little bit of with children, oh. licorice a little bit with children. Um, Slippery, slippery elm or almas rubra can be added as an emulsant. Um, it's also an antitussive and a nice addition. Uh, bayberry, for example, is an astringent and an antimicrobial and a vulnerary herb, which we can add in varying amounts depending upon the changing health of our mouths. Wow. Uh, prickly ash is a circulatory stimulant. Of course, here we don't want to add too much, otherwise we might be salivating all day long. Um, and white oak is an excellent anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial, um, and that too can be added. As bases, we use a variety of things, orris root, um, which grows in the zone where I live. I'm in western Pennsylvania just now. Mm -hmm. um, arrowroot grows in warmer zones. And it was recently suggested by a herbal pal of mine, Leslie Williams, um, that possibly kudzu would make a nice base. So and, it's all... And I, and I should mention, uh, no, I, I should mention too that when you say base, I, I wanted, because you have this great chart in the book, and um, and we're using an example of Michael Moore's tooth powder recipe, and, and, and what's cool is that like you have these actions, and so you say base, and then you have these things like analgesic, like painkilling, anti-inflammatory, the antimicrobial, all these astringent, circulatory stimulants, you know, it's neat because... I like what you're doing here is you're just making sure that, hey, you know, these are the things you need to look out for. These are the qualities that you have to look out for when you're making a blend. And then, of course, you can then choose, right, which herbs that you want to use. But keeping in mind all of these actions, which is really clear. I like this. So I, Thanks. I just wanted to say that because when you say base, I wanted to kind of put it all into a bigger perspective of the whole recipe. Thanks, and I'm glad that you were able to succinctly suggest uh, one of the things that we really paid a great deal of attention to, or I paid a great deal of attention to in writing Dental Herbalism when it came to the herbal aspects of the work we present, is we tried very hard not to be autocratic, mm -hmm. but to give people information so that when they were creating a tooth powder or a mouthwash or whatever it was, that they understood properties and they could come away with an understanding of how to blend and why they might wish to place different emphases 
on various herbs at different times in their lives. Right. Right, exactly. So I could see where if my son, who may be getting braces soon, <laughs> he we're talking about the poking and prodding. Well, we may want to make sure there's a vulnerary in there, right? And then uh, maybe some extra uh, antimicrobials for prevent infection. Exactly, or an analgesic because well, there might be a teeny <laughs> bit of discomfort. Yeah, yeah, it's so, true. I see that. Yeah. And it's a great chart there. And so that's, that's great. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you before. I just, I love that, that concept of the base. So you were on the bases before talking about the kudzu, which is a really interesting idea too. Yeah. So, so there's a wealth of material. Um, if we're going to use powders, of course we needn't use powders. We could also use roots. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we could look to, for example, uh, like chew sticks or miswax, as they're called um, in other parts of the world. And there we might consider taking a licorice root or an alfalfa root or even a marshmallow root about the length of a pencil and taking off the exterior to a depth of about a quarter of an inch and then using that just slightly... Um, uh, dampened with water in the mouth, the saliva will have an action of splaying the fibers of the roots in these the roots of these herbs, and then it can be used to clean around the teeth and also to massage the gums. The wow. great thing about a chew stick, John, is you can take it with you wherever you go. It fits nicely in a back pocket. What are some examples of uh, different kinds of, of chew sticks? That you can use? Uh, well, as I said, licorice or alfalfa or marshmallow roots, those mm. would all be, can be used as chew sticks. We can also use birch twigs. Um, and then, of course, neem. Neem twigs. Neem is a fabulous herb for the mouth, has a great many functions, um, being not only antiviral and antibacterial, but also antifungal. You know, I... I when 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 I was learning about plants, and then um, I remember living back east, and and there being of course sassafras trees, and people saying, mm -hmm. "Oh yeah, native folks would uh, chew this, and it was for dental health." And and I'm thinking like, "Oh gosh, that's just before they had toothbrushes. You wouldn't do this now." But you're like, you know, no, no, use these chew sticks. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think um, sassafras roots. That's such a lovely aroma. Like, who would not want to chew a sassafras root or right. massage the gums? But, John, one of the things that is uh, important is oral, uh, oral health imbalances are increasing throughout the United States. Many people, a significant proportion of people over the age of, of 30, have um, some, some degree of periodontal disease. Mm -hmm. And oral health care supplies are very expensive. Um, mm -hmm. so many people don't know that it's a good idea, for example, to change our toothbrushes, uh, every three months or after we're sick, um, and that we can wash our toothbrushes. You know, I used to be under the impression that, oh, when I had my tooth cl teeth cleaned at the dentist, I got a new toothbrush. 
Um, I'd occasionally buy one if I left mine somewhere, but otherwise I didn't change it with a great, great deal. I'd never paid attention to changing it. Um, so now I mark it on the calendar when I get a toothbrush. But if you're a, a single person or you're part of a family of four, $3 a toothbrush every three months plus the cost of tooth powders or toothpaste, mm. plus the costs, the cost of mouth rinses, that's a lot of money. And really, we can put those dollars into purchasing uh, brightly colored fruits and veg <laughs> and make mouth care products from the herbs we have in our kitchen. And that's what's really fun as you get to you know, access that inner herbalist and child here and make up some tooth powder potions with all kinds of cool, like what I'm looking at the chart here, just in the Michael Moore's one. And you talked about a base like arrowroot or orris root, or you have baking powder and an analgesic, like some of these have multiple ones, like marigum, you have analgesic and inflammatory, uh, antimicrobial, antioxidant, astringent. I mean, that's almost like a couple of these can take care of it doesn't have to be complicated is what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be complicated at all. And that's one of the very great beauties, isn't it, about mm. working with herbs is that I don't know of many herbs that have a single action. And right. so one of the tricks of building sound, strong formula for the mouth is to choose herbs that have overlapping inter overlapping actions uh -huh. so that we can build a lovely web and you know if we if we are just starting out why salt and cinnamon make a great paste for the mouth uh, and many people have cinnamon in their kitchen cupboards or salt and sage um, make a great way of abrading the teeth and cleaning the mouth um, and we can go from there. Wow. That's, um, do we say paste, like what, in people's mind, like, you know, we use toothpaste, you know, the thing in the tube that we squirt out. But if we're making a toothpaste, I mean, powder is like, we're just blending powders and we have a nice powder out, a little couple dabs of maybe essential oil or whatever if you want. And, but, um, but really what, uh, what, what d differentiates when you're making it yourself, the paste from the powder? Well, the paste is often made with something that holds water well and um, sort of um, has a different texture, as we know. So, for example, um, we can make a paste with a base of betonite clay. Hmm. Um, and betonite clay is also whitening to the teeth. Hmm. Um, and rather than starting with clay and adding water or essential oils or indeed teas and tinctures, um, to create that paste-like consistency, it's much easier when we're working with clay to start with the menstruum. Mm -hmm. So the water or the infusion of thyme tea mm -hmm. and to add uh, betonite clay to it because it's very hydroscopic. It absorbs a lot of water and if we start with the powder, why we could have enough paste for everybody on the East Coast to be brushing for decades to come. <laughs> and I when guess you kind of out of hand. And do you have a um, paste recipe in the books too? Uh, 
in here? We have we have several paste recipes. We also have recipes for mouthwashes and mouth rinses and for variety of imbalances, you know, from uh, thrush to young people who are teething, who are experiencing discomfort. Um, indeed, the whole house might be somewhat out of balance when a young person's getting teeth. Wow. Um, so, yeah, there are awful lot of recipes throughout dental herbalism. What a concept. I mean, usually it's like, you know, we have the whole household. We all have our tube of Toms of Maine or whatever it is we're using. And one paste fits all. But here well, we're just like, hey, you know, everyone have different situations. We can, you can address anything here. Well, not only do we have different situations, I think we have different taste preferences. Right. So I might really enjoy a blend of sage and stevia and thyme uh, with a bit of orange thrown in, and you might have an aversion to orange, and you might you might prefer mashed up strawberries and salt with a touch of cinnamon. Um, and so maybe that's what you use this week, and then next week you think, you know, I'm kind of tired of this. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just make small amounts. They can be kept in the refrigerator, as can washes and rinses. And they can be used until um, we need to make more or until we decide we're tired of them and we'd like a change. Do you know, like, if if uh, before marketing, <laughs> before Madison Avenue <laughs> created the modern toothpaste and sold us on what we need, kind of like they all made us believe that you could only have orange juice in the morning, um, um, it, you before That's before funny. this revolution, uh, this Madison Avenue thing, and probably you know forties, fifties, whenever that was. Previous to that, uh, did people kind of treat oral health and you know what they chose to clean their mouths with like this and differently depending on what they had? I mean, it was is this like something that we're coming? You're, you're suggesting that we're all coming back to here, or we know? are all coming back to it. Um, I think we've been using herbs for medicinal points of view, uh, for medicinal interventions, mm -hmm. as long as we've been on the planet Earth, um, and estimates of how long that's been um, have varied considerably. So certainly we've been using medicinal herbs for a very long time. And of course, throughout all of these millennia, um, we have had teeth. And our teeth have different functions. The the front teeth are more for like gnawing, and our back teeth are more for grinding, for example. But we do have, interestingly, in our in our book, a photograph of a beeswax dental filling, um, which uh, Bernardini and his colleagues estimate dates back some 6,500 years. Oh. So that's kind of a long time, you think? Yeah, <laughs> it is. So we're regaining, I, are you, you're helping us regain dental intelligence here. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe just returning to plants. And, you know, there's no, there are no additives, no chemicals. There are no warnings. Many people don't even know that on their toothpaste, their commercial toothpaste, there are warnings that if they ingest more than a single dose, they should contact the poison center. 
so we don't have those warnings on herbal preparations. Gosh. It's kind of nice. You know, and another type of herbal preparation I know we use in my house, especially my wife, to help with gums, receding gums, are rinses and washes. So I'd like to get into this and maybe how we talked about, you know, with the with the uh, tooth powders, some common herbs that we use there for that. What is a nice rinse that we that everyone could use to either work on or prevent uh, gum disease? I, I guess a nice rinse depends on who you are. Okay. Um, so, for example, I really like the combination of mint and orange in my mouth. Um, sometimes mint, orange, and, and cinnamon. Mm. Um, or mint, orange, and monarda. Um, so, what I might do is I might use, say... Um, two parts of monarda and a quarter part of cinnamon and one part of orange peel. Mm -hmm. And I might infuse those um, as we would make a decoction, but for a short period on the stove while simmering, let it cool and then put it in a bottle and uh, a mason jar, for example, uh, put it in the fridge, take some to keep in the bathroom which is where I choose to brush my teeth um, and I might refresh that on a daily or every other day basis and then um, use that to rinse my mouth uh, so I really like that um, sage makes a wonderful wonderful uh, mouth care herb from its use of fresh leaves to help whiten the teeth um, to infusions, to uh, for gargling or rinsing of the mouth, and sage and thyme are historical herbs that have been associated with certainly oral care products in the West. Mm -hmm. So those could well be um, flavors people are familiar with. Thymol, for example, comes from our pal uh, thyme. Uh, what others and uh, and so say you're making this um, the the rinse. Um, do you just keep that in the fridge and just use it, or do you put like an alcohol preservative in it and put it in your medicine cabinet? Or most people, John, are making volumes so small mm -hmm. that we don't need alcohol. Alcohol has a drying effect on ah. the gums, and so many uh, commercial oral care products that contain alcohol um, also contain hidden sugars and really aren't doing the mouth a great service at all. Um, so if we're making in, in the region of about a quart of a mouthwash, often we're including an antimicrobial herb like sage or thyme, for example, or turmeric, uh, for example. And so there really is no need to add a preservative. Um, when we finish infusing or decocting our preparation and we let it cool, I often pour it straight into the jar, but many people prefer to strain it. And for people who are new to making oral care products, why it's a great idea to strain it because then you can hold the jar up uh, against a window, for example, and if it's still clear, then you're good to go. Um, it's pretty obvious to see when a when a rinse goes off. Mm. 
And then you just store that decoction, just uh, a jar, say it's a small mason jar or something in your bathroom and just use it right that? Yeah. Or you can keep it in the fridge and dispense small amounts on a daily right. basis. Right. Another uh, oral care rinse that I particularly like is a spice lily tea, which oh. grew out of the work of Suzanne Poth and Gina Sawyer. And that's a cardamom, cumin, and fennel mix. And because of my affinity for orange, I add orange peel, which, you know, I always think of as an excellent digestive herb. So that's two parts of cardamom, one and a half parts of cumin, uh, one and a half parts of fennel, and half a part of orange peel. And what I do is bruise all those up and uh, put about... Um, a teaspoon to two teaspoons in a mug of hot water and I let that infuse. I often cover something like that um, with a, a lid or a saucer uh, because there are aromatic herbs involved. Um, and then I just, again, would filter that and use that as an oral rinse. It's kind of nice. That's great. And then so, um, and also, so in any case, if you have inflamed gums or whatever, you can use this or to prevent, which is nice, right? In both cases, you can. Exactly. Right and we can add, for example, um, echinacea, or we can add willow, or we can add um, stronger micro antimicrobial herbs, depending upon what's going on in the mouth. And, um, I'll point out too, again, just like the, the tooth powder, there's a great chart that I'm looking at now in your book that um, goes down the different actions and has the associated herbs. And then if you don't, if anyone's listening and it's new to a lot of these fancy words that we're using, like vulnerary or whatever, there's a glossary. <laughs> or if you're Herb Mentor members, you can go on Herb Mentor where Rosalie's made videos describing all of these herbal actions. And so you can really, you know, dig deep into that and understand each action. And then knowing then what's going into your your mouth rinse or your tooth powder i don't know mentor that's how big way we like to learn is just take it piece by piece experience to experience and and uh it kind of not that make, makes it so it's not so overwhelming so. i agree john and in fact not only have we included these tables in the main body of our book but we've also included appendices where we actively encourage folk to make copies and to experiment. And the tables, I think, do a pretty good job at breaking out actions, um, whether it is alterative or analgesic, whether the herbs are aromatic or astringent or nervines even, or rubefacients. And we cover about 40 herbs in dental herbalism and we look at the actions of each herb so that enables us to put together formulas that suit our needs and the needs of the people we're working with exactly and like so there's lots and lots of herbs and once you um it's fascinating because there's echinacea marshmallow calendula myrrh turmeric and what about turmeric i mean you put that in your I mean, turmeric seems to just do every everyone's talking about turmeric these all the things that you can do with turmeric so you put that in the powders or in the rinse or 
Um, actually, I use it in both ways. I'm a big turmeric fan. And when I was doing a diploma in herbal medicine, I actually did a dissertation on turmeric. So I am a, a I am not a recent convert. Um, <laughs> But it has a, a variety of actions indeed. So, and one of the most important points about the herbs we chose is they're safe. They're all safe. There are hundreds and hundreds of herbs for the mouth. And the suite we present here are um, a, provide a good foundation for someone to get familiar with concepts relating to oral health and then to expand their own materia medica. Mm -hmm. um, so turmeric's a, a culinary herb, and it's also a vulnerary, so it helps with wound healing, which is important. Um, it's a styptic or a hemostat, so that means that it can help with bleeding. So when there has been interference in the mouth, it could be an injury, it could be... Um, gingivitis or more probably periodontitis or there could be um, a recently fitted prosthetic device for example like mm -hmm. braces um, using a herb that helps stop bleeding is pretty important it's a fabulous immune support uh, turmeric is as well as being an astringent herb so it helps tighten the gums and that's important because our gums should hug our teeth um, and they shouldn't be soft and soggy and flabby, and they certainly shouldn't smell. Um, and it's a great anti-inflammatory where I think that's where a lot of the recent discussion has been residing. You know, I, I am looking at the Materia Medica, and we're seeing, of course, there's ones that we're used to seeing in medical herbalism, like Echinacea and Arnica, but with ones like orange, uh, peel and and rosemary and sage and salt and turmeric and thyme and and um just looking clove cinnamon it seems to me that well, you're also suggesting that hey you know like when we have these herbs in our diet it's and we're just eating them and it's in our systemically this is also helping our teeth because it's all connected oh yeah absolutely <laughs> it's all connected you know there was that there was, uh, well, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And, um, you know, it's often a, a phrase that's taken out and thrown here and thrown there. And it's one of those things that really deserves long a long period of consideration and our attention indeed, because you're absolutely right. You know, um, it's not just the application of medicinal herbs in a medicinal context. It's incorporating herbs into our daily diet. And cloves are a great painkiller, you know. Um, and so when it comes to teething, that's where clove oil comes in or peppermint oil um, in helping to relieve discomfort. And certainly these aromatics also uh, are useful in our daily diet. You know, another uh, amazing chart you have here is this table which 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 associates uh, dental problems with um, chronic illness. So you you can see, you know, whether it's diabetes or herpes or infections or 
or uh, all kinds of things, um, you can go down this chart and see associated things that are going on from, um, you know, bleeding and blisters and abscesses and all kinds of stuff with receding gums and just kind of match them up and see that that connection between systemic illness and oral health. And um, I think that's amazing. I think it's really important. And one of the one of the messages we hope that people do take away from our book is that the mouth isn't an island mm-hmm. um, and it and the health of our mouth is intimately connected to the health of our bodies overall and the when we start to work with the health of our mouth in this way we can also see improvements in other aspects of our health and well-being indeed there's a recently formed association in the states um, of people who are interested in links between orals and systemic health. And increasingly we find that things like arthritis and cardiovascular disease and hypertension and erectile dysfunction and osteoporosis and of course scurvy was the classic example. Um, But all of these are connected to the health of the mouth. And, and self-empowerment in this information is really important because I used to go to a dentist um, uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, and, and he was uh, involved in this wilderness school where I worked, and he would just tell me on the side, he's like, you know, you know I, I, I love the ideas of the natural therapies and everything, but, you know, it's a connection to my license and the, and the American Dental Association and all that. So if I tell people stuff, I could get in trouble and all this kind of stuff. I don't know how the climate is now for dentists because that was a bit ago. But is it still like that for dentists or, you know, like, like, it's like for, we, we really kind of have to almost take this into our own hands. Well, I think taking our health into our own hands is very, very important. And know it, and knowing <laughs> when to uh, when to consult a professional mm-hmm. of any type is of equal importance. Um, and we talk about integrated health, and it was a big deal for a dental hygienist, Linda Straub Bruce, my co-author, mm-hmm. and myself, a herbalist, to come together and to write a book and. Um, as herbalists, we don't have a clearly defined quote unquote scope of practice. Um, and so we are offering this information for educational purposes. And I'm not sure how dental professionals will be able to move within this realm, but hopefully they'll learn to collaborate with folk like us. Absolutely. You know, I told you, uh, Leslie, early on before we started that the hour would go by quick. <laughs> and it did, didn't it? <laughs> it went by really quickly, really John. Because there's so many questions, so many more things um, we could get to. But I just loved how you kind of wrapped it all together there. It's a good natural breaking point. And, and I just, as everyone can tell, I mean, I just, I think it's an astounding book. And, um, and you can go to dentalherbalism.com. And I always recommend supporting the authors and going to their site. So please go there. Um, and uh, amazing resource. Um, great basic herbal information. A lot of things in current topics in herbalism. I mean, in, in, in dental health, rather, such as uh, from fluoride to supplements to probiotics. Um, we could literally do a whole series here, Leslie, on this, I think. And so, um, so, so I, 
again, uh, dental herbalism, natural therapies for the mouth by Healing Arts Press and dentalherbalism.com. And Leslie also has a site, restorationherbs.com. So Dr. Leslie Alexander, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been an honor to have you here on Herb Mentor Radio. Oh, John, thanks for asking me. It's been my great pleasure. Visit learningherbs.com for free courses, ebooks, and monthly lessons. You'll also find the Herbal Remedy Kit and Wildcraft, an herbal adventure game. Herb Mentor Radio is produced for HerbMentor.com, our community mentoring site. Herb Mentor Radio is copyright learningherbs.com, LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it.